Welcome. You are now tuned into the Textually Active Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Textually Active, your weekly dose of conversations about navigating the digital age while dealing with friendships, relationships, and all the shifts in between. I'm Rez, and I got Measy with me. Gang. I got E on the boards. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that we're joined by a beautiful guest. Now, listen close when I say this. We got Low Millie in the house. Hey. <laughs> I knew that was coming. You know what's coming? Low Millie in the house. She's here rocking with Textually Active today. Um, Before we get started, I know it seems like we've been a little guest heavy, but fuck that. You don't say that to your other favorite podcast when they have a bunch of guests. And I know that other one just came back for another Tuesday. I heard it. Okay. Yeah. I heard they came back. Oh. Okay. Sun came out somewhat. You know, I ain't I, I'm, I'm, I'm missing not, it. I'm, I'm trying to be in. here with I'm you, not. but just, you're just like know, speaking in just code. Just know the sun came out somewhere in okay. one of these cities. It sure did. All right. Niggas ain't sad no more, I see. Oh, that's right. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> speaking right. of sad, how are you guys feeling today? I'm good day in the neighborhood, baby. I'm good. Tired, but I'm good. I'm good, too. Um... It's been a good day, you know. We out here enjoying myself. Happy to be here with my friends. A new, a new first week thirty. What it's like? It's weird. I'm still adjusting, but um, I made it. Survived. Yeah, big thrill. You was big drunk too. Uh huh. Tore up. (laughs) So let's get into our guests. We have Lil Millie here. She has lived a bunch of places. She was telling us Atlanta, Philly, California. Nevada, just the name, or Nebraska. was it Nebraska? Nebraska, Winston, just the name Salem, of Winston. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You already know. Where are you from? I'm from Atlanta, though. Atlanta, yeah. okay. And you spent some time in the Trefo. Uh, you are familiar with Philly, which is close to Delaware. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. So tell the people of Textually Active who you are, what you do, um, and. And and that's all know, the yeah. great, all the great things. About yeah, you. all the great things. You word, can say the bad too word. if you want to. Whatever you it want to. It ain't share. no bad. Yeah, you know. You know. Uh, Throw well, your sign in there. What your my, hobbies are. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know about it. Yeah, the sign. Yeah, they like trying to get picked up. No, I'm a. My name is Lauren Miller, aka Lo Millie. I am a fifth generation entrepreneur, second generation business owner. I'm a storyteller. Um... I previously was a travel personality. I am a pioneer of the black millennial travel movement. Um, but you know, my day to day is securing my family's legacy and building mine. Um, and carrying the baton and, you know, taking my family's legacy to the next level. Mm. We talking big money shit here. Yeah. We keep having big money. Yes. I mean, we ain't going to bring the small fries in <laughs> you know here. We're going to do it. <laughs> I mean, shout out John Scott, but this ain't that. You know, we just had just asked Andy in here, so you know it's a lot of money floating around in the open media lab. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying (laughs) niggas even vacuum the floor for you. Uh huh. Uh huh. We didn't even get the vacuum, but it's all good. So, um, we're glad we have you here. This was a topic that I think me and Meezy wanted to discuss for a while. We had brought it up. Um, did we talk about legacy, Meezy? Uh, it was more so about. Remember when know, this stuff was going on with Terrence? You like kind of like we kind of touched on it, but it was more so about like what's it like to like 
have like be involved and is it cool because you know terrence made that weird joke about marlon having help from his family and mm-hmm. like it's a legacy thing so it was like real it was real short but i think today is gonna be a good episode because i think what people always hear is like I've got to be the one to break the generational wealth curse in my family. I've also got to set this up for my kids, kids, the kids, kids can eat. And so it's like, bro, we hear y'all say that, but what is y'all really doing? Like, just, Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, that's the part because I'm like, for a lot of those people, I am y'all's future kids. Mm. Mm. And um, this is not even, this is not a first, like I said, I'm fifth generation entrepreneur. Exactly. So this has been going on yeah, for a minute. A minute. Yeah. So like, um, 150 years of ownership and equity. Yes. So there's a lot of pressure and shit that comes with that. Hmm. So what is the business that you have taken over for your family? And can you tell us a little bit about your family? Are you the only sibling? Are you the oldest sibling? Okay. So, um, just 150 years. So historically my family has been in agriculture. Hmm. So we've owned land for over a decade. I mean, not decade, I'm sorry, over a century. (laughs) Wow. Um, And so that business has been within the family for a hundred and plus years. The business that I run with my brother is the business that my father started. And so at every juncture, you may have people in each generation start their own business. But the one thing that's been consistent has been the farming business. That's been the longest. Um, But the actual business that I am the director of business development for is a business my father started the year before I was born. Miller 3 Consulting, formerly DJ Miller & Associates. And so we are a consulting firm. We mainly work with governmental agencies around increasing MWB participation in government contracting. And so a lot of what my dad's mission was around is getting money into black people's pockets. Yes. And because growing up on a farm and owning the land that you live on, you recognize the value of owning your shit. Mm -hmm. And so when he left the farm, you know, to build his life and, you know, start his business, it was really about like, how can I increase black millionaires? And the mode in which he did that was through government contracting and us getting a piece of the pie. And even beyond that, like taking agriculture to the continent, uh, very much a pioneer in his space. He created the disparity study industry. Um, And so me and my brother, you know, continue on this baton is just like, it ain't no question. So people like, oh, you know, was it a choice? It ain't really a choice. Mm. You know what I mean? It's inherited responsibility. It's kind of like. This is what you're supposed to be fucking doing. So right. you're going to do it. I feel like a lot of the times coming up, me and Meezy had this conversation when we were discussing whether or not we should go to school um, and our parents just giving us that option to have the creative flexibility to do whatever we want to do and what that looks like compared to being told, like, this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. It's not really a choice for you. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, at the age of five, by the time you turn 18, 21, we're grooming you for mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was that like for you? Where you when you grew up, when you were growing up, did mm-hmm. your parents groom you to take this position? Or was it just something like you seen them doing it and you're like, I want to do this, too? Well, like I never had any intention of working in the family business, like as my career. So like as a kid, like. I would get paid my age as my hourly rage. So like from five years old until, you know, like that was my summer job. If I need to make some extra money, I would work, you know, for my dad. But it was never like I'm going to grow up and work for the business. My brother, when he graduated Morehouse, his first job was working for the family business. So things were kind of set up for him to, get to work, you know, man. he's a junior, same name. Um, so this is something that is more so 
you know, was kind of built for him to kind of take on a baton. But of course, it is a family business. And a lot of my family members have worked in the business. So I wouldn't say that I was necessarily groomed to work for the family business. I think I was groomed to be very ambitious. I was groomed to be an entrepreneur. I was groomed to not be comfortable signing the back of checks. You want to sign the front. Um, I was groomed to like know that it's, you know, two working days after Friday and two working days before Monday. Don't be a weekend person. So me having my own business is normal. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's how I was raised. It's like we're hard workers. Um, and, you know, I never saw my dad work for anybody. Not that he didn't, but by the time I was born, yeah, he was signing the front of checks. So it was like, all right, at some point I'm going to be doing the same. So right. that was really what I was groomed for. Not until my father got sick. Was it like, okay, I actually need to take like a real role in this shit. Cause that this, we kind of at this crossroads where yeah, we about to you have know, to do something. Yeah. Like, you know, secession plan is for real. Like, right. you know, this is the end. You know what yeah. I mean? So at that juncture, it was like, okay, like this is what it is. So what were you doing up until that point? Because you, you, you are very ambitious. I can look in your eye and see like you have your mind made up on mm-hmm. what you want to do. So before you got up to the point where you noticed your father was getting sick mm-hmm. and that the baton was coming to you, mm-hmm. what were you doing up until that point? So I launched my first business and brand in 2013. I quit my job. You I was- quit your job. Hell yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because I like I've never had a corporate job. So my my story is not I quit my corporate job to start my really business. And the funny thing is my first corporate job is working for my dad. Uh-huh. Yeah, so let let's let's stop here for a second. So okay. a lot of you niggas that have this story. It's okay when a lot of you niggas don't. And y'all don't have to put this front on like I was doing big things at big places and then I had to quit. No. You was doing nothing or you was doing a little bit. And that's fine. And that's fine. Right. It is cool. (laughs) Exactly. It's fine. So I quit my job in 2013, was going through this quarter life crisis. I was 25 and I wanted to um, really feel like I was doing what God put me on earth to do. Like, I love my job. I was in hospitality. Like, I was 25, too. So I know. A little lit too. Yeah, nah, twenty five. Passing through twenty five, that's a hard time. Yeah. For some reason, at twenty five, you feel like your life is about to be over. You're like, dang, I got five more years to thirty. As right. thirty is the end, and exactly. You're like, this is my last years of my youth, man. Listen, yeah, it was a real thing. You, that's exactly what I was thinking. So I was just like, okay, some got to give because I felt like the job that I had, Sally, Paul, John could come and do it, and I wanted to do something that nobody else could do. Like it was something that very specific to who I am. And so went through some, you know, eat, pray, love shit, you know, (laughs) soul searching and all that kind of shit. And um, had my aha moment. And, you know, essentially during that time, I made this crazy prayer, like word to Sierra, one praying for no man. But the prayer was for God to please reveal to me my purpose. And I promised him that I I would run 100 miles per hour towards it. And he did. Um, And that ended up leading to me launching my brand and business can't stay put. And so the name says itself is clearly, you know, travel lifestyle brand. But the backstory is I started flying by myself at five. My, I lived with my dad growing up, but my mom lived in DC. So they used to ping pong me back and forth. So Mm -hmm. I've never really known a life without being on the go. So there was a level of fearlessness that was planted within me at a very young age. Like I can, I was navigating the airport 
as a kid. As an adult, I was scared to fly by myself. Sure, I, I can't imagine. I was afraid last can't, week. I can't imagine being five years old. I was like, I got to make sure that I am paying attention in this airport. At this grown ass age, I still go to the airport like with the ticket say. I'm looking at the terminal like 15 times to make sure I'm going in the right direction and that my bag has what it, it's it's stressful. Yeah, but I mean, five, it, yeah, and so that's why like when when I. Niggas are smoking on airplanes right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, people can still go to the gate. So, like, what you're saying is in terms of, like, you know, just how you feel about flying, when I realized that that was something that was very specific to me, it was like, okay, you can use this. Like, mm-hmm. this is a part of your story, your foundation. You didn't go to school for this shit. Like, this is not your major. And nobody can take this away from your story. So it was life. life. You know what I mean? So it was that. like, for me, it was like, you know, now the space is wide open, you know, with black travel influences, all that kind of shit, even though they kind of need to give me a pat on the back because it wouldn't be shit if I wasn't to hey, start the train. The and I wouldn't say that I was the only one, but hit I was one the of the pioneers of this shit. But Talk anyway, shit. for me, it wasn't because I saw a lifestyle that's like, oh, that looks fun. Like, I want to do that. It was like, I always had this lifestyle. Let me brand this shit so I can be professionally me. Mm-hmm. And that's what the fuck I did. You know, launch the platform quit my job, give them my apartment, reduce all my expenses. And I committed to the nomadic lifestyle for three years. I ain't have a fucking home. Okay. All I had to do was keep my phone on and hopefully Wi-Fi whoever I was crashing at. You know what I mean? Um, you know what I mean? So that's what I was doing prior to my father getting sick. And so I would say I probably had like two years of like intense, like self, like focus into my stuff. And then shit was taken off. And then I got the phone call. Right. And then you like, what the fuck? So like, now you're at a crossroads. You're at a crossroads because you're just like, damn, God, like, why? why what I'm like, yeah. you know what I mean? And, you know, I'm sure you guys know, like, when you're in your 20s, you're looking out for yourself as best interest. Like, everything should be about you because you're trying to figure out what you like, what you don't like, what you want to do. Right. So, like, all my friends, you know, selfish as fuck. And I'm like, I got to be the most selfless I done ever been. And so that was very hard, you know what I mean, to be like, you got to step up to the plate and this is, you know, something that you got to deal with because even with my father's illness, it was kind of like, you don't live your life. Right. And his illness was connected to his life choices. So it wasn't like a random cancer or anything like that. So it was just like, damn, so you got to live your life. And because of the way you live your life, you're now, you know, experiencing this illness, but I got to stop my life yeah. because of your choices. Right. And so it was a very hard, pill to swallow because I was selfish you know what I mean and then but it took a while to like you know warm up to the idea and understand the magnitude of what was really going on and so essentially what it boiled down to was like Lauren I need for you to help me live as long as possible to secure my legacy and to get you and your siblings ready for me not to be here oh my goodness that's a crazy talk yeah I mean it's some heavy ass shit it was some real ass shit now I look back I'm like I still can't believe I went through that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Speaking of like, what was the, what was the support? Like, like, cause the, this is a big jump to be, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it'd be like to be Mm -hmm. nomadic. Cause it's homeless sounds Mm -hmm. very, homeless is wild. Yeah. Homeless is not the word. Mm -hmm. Homeless is wild. Yeah. It's not homeless is not the word. I think homeless is wild. So you was was without a place that I could call home. home. Right. Right. And I would say I wasn't poor. I was broke. You know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. Which yeah. is, there's a difference, yeah, right? Yeah, there is a difference. And, a big you, difference. And, and so it's like one of those things where it's like, I wasn't out on the street. You know, I wasn't living on the street. I was electing to be broke because I had a dollar in a dream. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Um, but in that phase of like making that decision, it was like because I had chose entrepreneurship, 
I was in a space to where I could become my father's right hand because if I had a nine to five job, I would have gotten fired Hell yeah. right? because it wouldn't have worked. And so because I had created this platform in this space, I was still able to, you know, make money and create opportunities for myself because I still had the flexibility of my time. But I was now juggling my business, my father's care, and then also Learning. filling in the gaps yeah, of yeah. his business. So I'm juggling three balls. And then mind you, even on top of that, that's with the notion that my dad is dying. So it's like the so no matter what good shit is going on in my life, it's still a reminder. I'm getting a text from a surgeon. I'm getting texts like, oh, shit, like, oh, yeah, my dad's still dying. Yeah. So it's only so long your happiness is going to linger because you're constantly, you know, reminded of the journey. What's really going on. Right. Exactly. And because we were up against the clock and I really wanted him to live as long as possible. Like it wasn't a, you know, when you deal with certain cancers, like six months a year, like, no, we was living in, I wouldn't say hell, but it's kind of like hell because you, this is a parent and you got to see, you're seeing them die for four fucking years. Mentally, that shit is heavy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In the midst of having to, it was beyond just caring. We got a whole business. We got a legacy. You got to transfer information about the family, transfer of knowledge, like what your plans are, like the lessons that you want me to have so I can pass them on to my kids, you know, the whole nine. So it was a very big undertaking. And so as I even talk about this conversation with legacy, one of the things that has been resonating for me is like sickness and death shouldn't be the catalyst to start talking about securing your legacy because right. that's already too heavy already. Right. You know I mean, I feel like in that situation, you didn't even have the the choice to say no. Right. Like <laughs> you and you didn't have a chance to take a break from it because you're trying to get as much information as you can in that short amount of time. So you are there, you are knee deep in it mm-hmm. and taking all of this stuff in. When, you know, if it was a conversation for another time, you guys could have just took your time. It could have been a leisure walk and you probably would have been like, you know what, right. Dad, I really don't want to. Right. I mean, that's my maybe question. later I'll pick it back up. Because but- my question is, at what point does it do you realize it's important to you? Because a lot of things that happen with us is our families have these businesses. Mm-hmm. We get ready. We've worked in these businesses as a kid all our lives. And we get ready to go to college. And I don't want to do this shit. Mm-hmm. So why I'm going off to college, they don't pay for me to go to college. I come back. The first thing we think about doing is selling this motherfucker. Because I'm doing what I wanted to do. And yeah, that's not an option. And so it feels like, Mm-mm. you know what I'm saying, a lot of times that's where our legacy goes out yeah. the window because mm-hmm. they didn't want to run it. See, I think, you know, because my situation is like my dad wasn't a first. He was a, the fourth. Right. So, like, it's been ingrained through generation that you ain't selling shit. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't mean that me and my brother have to be the ones we may hire people, you know what I mean? Right. Or figure out a way to pivot this such that it works for what it is that we want to do. But selling ain't an option. Right. You know what I mean? But I do think, you know, that responsibility, I think, like you said, like, when did it become like this is important? It took a while, probably like a year and a half or two um, into like being a thick of it. It was just like, Yeah, this is it. You know what I mean? Like, I knew my family's history, but not until my dad started telling me the stories in a way that, like, you need to get this lesson because I'm not going to be here. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he would tell me shit over and over again. And I would be like, I done heard this story. But it's like, now that he's not here, anytime I come across any challenges and shit, I hear what he would fucking say. Because he had already instilled all that shit, you know, before he left. So, like, looking back, like, I'm forever grateful because he had so much intention. Right. around making sure we was going to be straight. And it's just like, um, 
So with that, it was just like, you know, it's an inherited responsibility. You get your ass in line. But it was a hard pill to swallow because I think there was a moment where it was just like, Lauren, I know you got your business. I know you're doing your thing. And rightfully so, I raised you to be ambitious. But your business only been around for three years. Right. My business has been around for 30 plus years. It's been proven to make money. It's consistent. This is where the priority is. And at first I was like, how dare you? Like, you know, I done doing all this stuff. Like, I'm on a conference circuit. Like, I'm big shit. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that level of, you know, selfishness that comes when you're in your 20s. And it was hard for me to kind of get on board. But it's like, now that I'm on the other side, I'm so much of a better business person because of going through that experience. And I also say that, like, had my father not been sick, we would have never justified spending that much time together because he would have been out in the world doing his thing. I would have been out in the world doing my thing. And thankfully, he had a sickness that allowed us to kind of be in that space for that long. But most people just drop down Mm -hmm. and be gone. So you don't get a transfer of, like, you know, let's record all the stories. So I have a recorder, haven't listened to it yet because I'm just not there yet. But, like, we recorded shit that he want me to know, mm-hmm. me and my siblings to know. So it was a whole process. And so I think one of the first that we experienced, although we come from a very rich legacy, this was the first time, I think, within our family where we actually did true succession planning. Like, true, like, you know, transfer of knowledge. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about your great, you know, these are the lessons I want you to know. These are all the, you know, the isms, the Millerisms, as we would call them. Okay. Um. So, you know, after a while, you start to realize, like, damn, this shit is not normal. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's just like you start to realize, like, okay. This like, means something. This means something, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, in my travels and pursuits with Can't Stay Put, I remember going to Newport, Rhode Island to visit all of the mansions of, like, the first families, like the Vanderbilts and, you know, the Rockefellers and all that kind of shit and learning about how they built wealth and how they fumbled the fucking bag, too. Like the mm. Vanderbilts were worth $300 billion and ain't got shit today. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's because the third and the fourth generation were consumers and no longer producers. And and so you start to see that. It's just like, okay, this is very important. So, yeah, that puts pressure on you. Oh, a lot. To, I, I feel like the, the, the overall <laughs> word of this is pressure mm. because, okay, you got through the pressure of having to take in all the information in such a short period of time. Now, I'm not sure if you and your father discussed this during that time, but you also have a pressure to make sure that it keeps going. Mm -hmm. And that's spread across your siblings, I'm assuming. Is it just your brother or do you have? So I have I have younger siblings. Okay, Um, So they're like 23 and younger. So, you know, they're not necessarily in the they're still college or coming out of college, you know, still finding their way. And so um, they're not really in the business but i will say like my little sister i'm grooming her to be you yeah <laughs> yes i mean because because the thing is is like i promised my dad that i will always have my hand in the family business but he knew that i'm very much entrepreneurial so my capacity at some point will change that doesn't mean i'm not gonna ever you know fuck with the business but it's just like he knew it was like lauren i know you're gonna want to do your own thing but promise me you will always have your hand in this in some type of way um because he recognized my value and what the fuck, you know, I bring to the table. Okay. All right. you know what I'm He's saying? seen it. All right. So, um, but keep it a buck with us. When you first figured this out, mm-hmm. at one point, did you say, oh, I think my brother can do this shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
me and my brother are different, right? We bring certain things to the table. And I was like, my brother is 13 years older than me. Yeah, 13 years older than me. Um, and he, you know, has a wife and family and stuff like that. I'm still, you know, young, considerably young. I don't have as many responsibilities. And so there's a lot more flexibility and stuff that I have to do things and move around. Um, and so that's just the season that we're in, you know what I mean? And so I will say, yeah, it is set up for him to, the business wise, but the full complexity of the legacy is on all of us to continue because my father's legacy goes beyond just the business. Right. So, you know, we can look at library of Congress. My father's in there. Fire. You know what I'm saying? Like documentary, you know, like, so there's other aspects of how I will honor my father's legacy within the constructs of what I do. So, like I said, I'm a storyteller. I'm in media content creation. I will be doing a documentary. You know what I mean? But the business is like, I want to build the business to a point to where we will be getting a building named after him at Morehouse. But I got to, we got to get our weight up. Mm. You know what I mean? So it was like, there's different aspects. And so when I say like, I'm not on a five-year plan, I'm on a 50, 75-year plan. And it could be very lonely because entrepreneurship in general is lonely as fuck. Then you got to tackle on the fact you got this inherited responsibility and that's just not a common conversation within the black community because a lot of us don't inherit anything. And if you do, it may be a life insurance policy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was another thing um, that kind of resonated and why I speak so much about legacy succession planning and kind of getting your kids ready. It's like, it's not enough to have a life insurance policy because if you teach your kids how to make money, they're going to fumble that bag too. And become consumers like everybody else. Shout out Master P. Exactly. Master P was out here getting it. Exactly. He used that shit and flipped it. But most people, but that's the part of like the intention around you know, if you are building a legacy and, you know, like I'm breaking these generational curses and all that kind of stuff, which is great. But it's like, OK, but they're still nurturing that you have to do to that for that next generation to not fumble that shit. Because when you see somebody like the Vanderbilt's fumble a three hundred billion dollar bag, of course, we can fucking fumble a bag. That's and a whole lot of fucking set money. up for us to fumble. Bag. Right. Exactly. And especially so. if you get comfortable um, in the situation and you allow your kids to get comfortable in that mm-hmm. situation. But like your parents and your family did it the right way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much of we have this wealth go spend it it's like no we have this wealth and we're all going to keep working yeah. for it you said each and every one of your family members or a lot of your family members work for the company mm. that's how it should be um coming up my dad had his business and he kind of gave us the option whether or not we wanted to to work with him or help him out of course we couldn't because me and my sister when he had it it was a bar mm. and i can't do nothing in right. no bar. Right, right. <laughs> but I still had the option to like come around and help with chores like cleaning up, mm-hmm. um, painting when it was closed, making sure everything was organized. But I just listening to you have this conversation, it kind of makes me wonder what it would be like if I were to step up and say, you know what, Dad, when you're finished with this, I can take over and keep mm-hmm. passing it along as opposed to me saying this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But what's different from my situation is that I had the option to say no. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they get the chance to do whatever they want to do. And sometimes parents just need to say, look, this is what we're going to do. This is the plan. Instead of thinking about it for five years, let's think about it for 50 or 75. And, you know, the thing is what the passing of the baton looks like, you can create it. Right. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you got to keep the bar going. So it could be, how can we transition this to another business that suits for you? Right. Right. So, and that's the thing with us is just like, 
Miller 3 group doesn't have to be what my dad had it to be. We can make this shit whatever the fuck we want to make it, right? right? Or like you said, it's like if selling is on the table, it's like you sell, but what are you doing with that money? You're building another business, right? right? Are you getting another asset? Were you going to agriculture? Whatever the hell you want to do. So you can define whatever it is that you want to do, but there has to be intention around it because if somebody's created something from scratch, that shit don't need to die. It can reiterate. You know, you can come up with another way to funnel something into something else, but you don't piss that shit away. Because the other thing that, like I mentioned, my whole professional career has been working for myself or family. I've never had to fucking code switch. How I'm talking to you right now, I can talk. I've never had to put on a different voice. Talk I ain't shit. never Ooh, had to. It's a blessing. Talk you know what I mean? And, and so what, as a adult now, you know, with given what everything is going on with Black Lives Matter, our liberation, I start to recognize the privilege. It's like, damn, yeah, I ain't never had to code switch. I don't have a discriminatory story because nobody's ever doubted my values. Because I've worked for family. It's yeah. like, you can do this shit. You know what I mean? Or like, like I mentioned, being around somebody who, like my dad who signs my checks. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Or, and you you understand the magnitude of what that means, being able to provide opportunities for people that look like you. Right. That's a big thing. So She's a business woman, not a business woman. Yeah. I'm a business. <laughs> right. Seriously. Yeah. So what does legacy look like for you pushing it forward? In the next few years? So for me, it is, you know, I would say like I'm working on like an ecosystem, mm. right? And figuring out how this ecosystem works. How do I connect the dots in terms of what I want to build um, and how that links to what's already been sustained and established? And so in this experience, I've learned patience, right? Because when I was young, first starting out with Can't Stay Put, it's just like, I got to do everything right now. Like, if I don't do it right now, like, this is not going to work or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, I got time. Like I said, once you realize that you're on a different wavelength, I don't give a shit that these people over here are like, I got to get a house. I got to buy a BMW today. Like, okay, that's not what mm-hmm. I'm on. Um, but it takes a while to get there. And so I think for me, I want Especially to. Especially ain't never had that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think for me, it's exponentially growing the legacy that's been bestowed upon me and really being a steward of my family's legacy. But also, a part of my mission is to tell this story, right? Because oftentimes these conversations are not had, right? And it's hard for people to to create something they ain't never seen before. Yeah. So when you have a 150 year story, it's just like, instead of us retreating and like keeping this wisdom to ourselves, you know, and you know, doing our own thing it's like, nah, niggas need to know about this. Literally. You know niggas I mean? need to know about right. what's going it's on. It's crazy. Here. Cause you know, niggas do not like to talk to each other. Yeah. They I mean, give the other motherfucker up a hand. Exactly. And <laughs> you know, it's like, for me, that's something that's always been a part of our family. It's like, how do you, like my dad would say, you're no better than anybody else. You're just different, Lauren. You have to use that difference to help people that look like you. So I don't ever think that, okay, because I came from this, like I'm better than, you know, I'm like, I'm big shit. You ain't shit. No, it's like, if anything, it's more pressure to be like, I feel a certain type of way that I have all of this knowledge. Like, it's almost like every day I'm like, I got to get this out. Like, I got to tell as many people as possible because I got to right. even the playing field. Right. A lot of people take their privilege and live in their privilege. Right. And that's it. So Tell them you, you already the, you be out here with the Goonies. You be in the streets. You be out here. So you already started setting the foundation. Yeah, walk around Najwa Low Millie podcast is on the way. Okay. Yeah. So listeners, if you like what you hear here and you want to hear some more, hear, here, get it. It's 
a lot of hears. But um, you want to hear more? I saw what you did. <laughs> I was trying. I saw it. Walk Around Knowledge with Lil Millie is dropping, and she will be sharing more stories like the ones that she shared here on Sexually Active. But um, let's go ahead and take a break and come back with our final thoughts. All right. And we're back. Let's touch on our final thoughts. Um, I think something that we all can, something you said, Lauren, kind of stuck out to me and Meezy. And it's more so about how legacy relates to timing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, legacy isn't just about what's going on now. It's about thinking towards the future. So do you want to speak on that a little bit? Yeah. You know, I've seen your Instagram. You be out here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm going to be out here. out here. I mean, I'm still it's got hard. some hot nigga like shit in me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's not, you know, it's, I'm still young as shit. You know, I still know who I am. But at the same time, it's like, you know, when it comes to legacy, you have to think about your kids, kids, kids. Like, it's a real thing. And so if I think about the ancestors before me, there's things that they didn't get to experience that I get to reap the benefits of. So they planted seeds that may not have bared fruit until my lifetime. Mm. But I'm forever grateful because I wouldn't have these goddamn fruit. I wouldn't have it if it wasn't for them. So it's like even when I'm in my valleys are like this shit too hard. It's pressure too hard. It's like I know that I'm going to have descendants that are going to be like so grateful for the shit that I'm doing right now. And so as it relates to like patience and time, it's like, okay. I may not be the one that flies private every fucking time I want to go on the plane, but my kids' kids may be that way. Right. And I have to be okay with it. Or it's just like, I may have the means to do that, but it's like, why spend that money on that now? Because I just want to do it in my lifetime. Yeah. Let me make sure I have assets and shit. This keeps on going. So there's sacrifice and it doesn't mean that you won't have a good life because please believe like I'm going to be living this shit up because we're going to be on the Forbes list. But hey. it's, it's, it's in moderation because one of the things that even with the business, like I'm not a trust fund kid. We ain't, I didn't get no big ass check or anything like that. What it's been is like, I'm going to leave you something to work with. So when it comes to the business, it's like, all right, it's like a car. You could put gas in and go get the bag. If you don't put no gas in it, it's shit going to sit in the, in the driveway right. and collect dust. But hard work is necessary because that's how you keep from fumbling in the bag. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you don't have no skin in the game, you inherit something, then it's easy to be like, oh, I'm going to sell it or, right. you know, I'm going to just gonna keep it moving because you ain't got no skin in the game. So that's why I was like, you know, for my dad is like maintain this business. It will always be something that can lay a golden egg for you and my siblings. I mean, you know, and so for him, it's like, you know, sustain this shit. Just you know? keep it going. Just keep it going. And they call millennials selfish. Right. Look at you thinking about everybody Tell else it. coming down the line. Yeah, got to. You are still out here doing, right. being her. They in these, on these beaches with them blue waters. Oh, I seen it. I seen it. Um, I do think it's important. And it, this conversation has really helped explain what legacy is and how important it is, especially in our community, because we always hear about the trust fund babies. We mm-hmm. hear about people who just get stuff handed to them and they don't really have to work for it. Mm-hmm. But knowing what it's actually like on the inside, like mm-hmm. maintaining it like a car is the perfect way to put it. Mm-hmm. Like you could get this money. I'm mm-hmm. going to give you this car. Right. But you have to maintain yeah, this. Yeah. You can't just drive it around. It's yeah. not a Tesla. Exactly. And even with a Tesla, you got to charge that up. Exactly. Trust that up. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you have to think about these things nothing is going to fall into your lap and instilling that in your kids can be beneficial to yeah. your name and your legacy exactly. so i appreciate that i love it i love it this week was fire i appreciate <laughs> I you thank y'all for having fire. me i appreciate it you know this is a very important topic and you know i'm just 
here to be a steward to kind of share what this shit is really like because you know a lot of us we've created legacy a lot of this shit has just not been continued right so there's a lot of restoration that has to happen because we ain't the first or the only family that got this history right I'm pretty sure y'all can go back in y'all family history and find some shit That'll rock your world. Like, damn, I didn't even know my great whatever was on that type time. But it's like, you don't know where you're going unless you know where you came from. And it's it's about sitting down and having those conversations with your parents while they're here. They don't be wanting to do that shit. My bitch. Give him enough beer. He going going to spill it. (laughs) But, um, Meezy, what you got for us this week with the baby maker? You are now tuned in. You are now tuned in. You are now tuned in. W-M-E-Z. So, uh, usually I do... uh, Underground, underrated artists. Yeah. But this week I don't want to because okay. I feel like a lot of you niggas be out here sleeping your on these three guys. And not only do they put on great performances on the big screen, they put great performances on your DSPs. So this week, the baby maker is from Jacob Lattimore, Trevor Jackson, and Ro Timmy. And it's called Real Love Part 2 here on WMEZ. Textually active. From day one, told you I ain't the one you wanna play with. Gonna sit back and never say shit I know you got a lot of niggas in the bleach Trying to take my play, oh. I'm the only one, but you better let them know And if I want that pussy from you, better let it go And yeah, I fuck with you, that's why I keep your wrist on froze Yeah, I fuck with you and why you act like you don't know, yeah Called you three, four times, you don't pay no mind Text you with that message, you ain't get the message when you go in silence, I get worried. Pull up on the baby in a hurry. Yeah. Sit that booty on the nightstand. What you talking about? I know you like that. And I'ma tell you when it's over. Oh, yeah, you know she a soldier. Girl, it's a real love. And that was this week's baby maker. I had to get them off because y'all be sleeping on them, and they they don't just act good. Y'all watch all the shows that they own, but they also sing good. So that was real love part two. That was off Jacob Lattimore's Leo season album. It's Jacob Lattimore, Trevor Jackson, and Ro Timmy here on WMEZ. Textually active. All right, and we're back. Let's finish off this episode with our memes. Meezy, what you got for your meme of the week? Alright, uh, I'm just gonna put this out here Y'all take it how I take it I don't really care uh, I ain't seen Pastor Todd Since he said he was addicted to porn He used to pop up on the timeline all the time Is he not having services no more or what? Is he not doing what? He not having services no more Wait, is that the relationship guy? Yes Oh, wow See, you ain't seen him in a while Since he did that sermon on being addicted to porn Oh, wow, I didn't even know nothing about <laughs> All of that. He ain't seen him pop up on the timeline when he was throwing them books out. He was on the timeline on the, t- on the oh, time. Oh, that's the same. Oh, wow. See, see what I'm saying? Okay. We're going to say that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> see all what right. I'm saying? I'm going to keep mine short. This is something I've seen on Twitter that I can relate to. Um, Bubblegum, bubblegum in a dish. Where is our second stimulus? 
Hey, get a text alert on that, bro. Nigga, and then they gonna try to get rid of the postal service so we can't get it in the mail. Stop playing with Come me. on, bro. You already you see the thing. This ain't about voting. This about not giving us that money. All right, they don't want to give us like a stimulus. That's crazy. I'm just saying, bro. They see what I see. What's going on? Shout out Kamala, though. Kamala, Kamala. Yeah, we've been fucking that up. Yeah, yeah. tearing it up. I seen the comment too. I was like, Dang, we black, so bro. We fuck up names. That's so wrong. Your grandmama don't know none of y'all names. She just call you A and point, baby. <laughs> Lauren, you want to leave the people with a great, good, great um, word today? I would say, you know, go out, do dope shit, and become what God intended for you to be. All right, hey, say that one more time, bro. Go out. Do dope shit and become what God intended for you to be. Go do B. That's fire. I like it. I like it. Got that shit tatted on me. I like it. Yeah. Do dope shit. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much, Lil Millie, for coming and hanging out with the Textually Active podcast. Yes. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed it. In the meantime, where can they find you at? So you can find me on Instagram at lauren.rosa.miller. You can also subscribe to my website, laurenrosamiller.com. You can Google me, too. A whole lot of shit will come up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't Google me. Lil Millie. You can Google Lil Millie. You can Google Can't Stay Put. Shit gonna come up. It's easy to find her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't Google me. Uh, we will be back next Tuesday, but in the meantime, you guys can keep up with us on our social media pages. We're on Instagram at Textually Active Pod. We're on Twitter at Textually Act Pod, and we're on Facebook at Textually Active Pod. If you want to see how cute we are today, look us up on YouTube hey. at Textually Active Pod, and uh, we'll be back. Thank you all for listening. Thank yeah. you for rocking with us. We hope you learned something. Yes. Maybe you got anything? I mean, just keep fucking build that legacy. Yeah, keep, keep I don't doing know what. Keep, I thought you were gonna say keep fucking with us. You're you oh. literally stopped at fucking. Yeah. Huh? Okay, keep fucking. Mm-hmm. And and you know always fuck them kids. Yeah, throw the birth control out and fucking have kids. <laughs> basically, that's what me is saying. <laughs> I'll see you guys next week. All right. Thank you for listening to the Textually Active podcast. This podcast is a full service production from the Open Media Lab. Be sure to check in every Textual Tuesday along with following them on all social media at Textually Active Pod. Textually Active is a part of the Open Media Network.